That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. I am Dave Smith, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Robbie the Fire Bernstein, the king of the cocks, COVID Jesus. How are you feeling, brother? How's 2024 treating you? Oh, I'm having fun, man. I'm getting to the city, doing some more spots. Got the studio open up soon. I'm feeling good. Rob's got a lot of big things coming up. A lot of big things coming up. And me and Rob uh, will be together on... Oh, God damn it. My website is down but it's okay i know we're going to the brea improv uh in uh, brea california um that's going to be a lot of fun uh it's one night only um but we're we're going to tear it up out there so come join us and we got a bunch more stuff uh, uh coming up over the next uh few uh weeks and months here i'll rattle some of them off for you but we will be at the uh the brea improv then we'll be in the stress factory in uh in bridgeport connecticut um uh, we'll be back in Zanies, Rosemont, and Chicago, setting up Zanies, uh, Nashville as well. Ooh. Key West Comedy Club. Um, we'll be back in in Hyenas in Dallas and Fort Worth. A lot of fun stuff coming up. We'll be on the road a bunch together. ComicDaveSmith.com. Don't go there this second, but go there relatively soon. I'll get on the <laughs> phone with my website guy when I get off. Uh, when I get off this call, yeah. So, uh, uh, um, actually, I think he may have told me they're like switching things over or something. So, but anyway, it should all be up there soon. ComicDaveSmith.com and of course, RobbieTheFire.com uh, for all of Rob's live dates. Okay. So there's been a couple big topics, uh, the, the two, two big topics that have been very interesting to me and I'm sure to you and a lot of our, our listeners, viewers uh, that have been all in the news uh, over the last few days. Uh, the two that I'm thinking of are uh, January 6th and Jeffrey Epstein. So, uh, of course, we just a few days ago was the uh, anniversary of of January 6th, the three year anniversary. We're all still recovering from the trauma. And of course, there were a whole bunch of documents that were uh, were dumped on um, or that were released by the court on Jeffrey Epstein. So I want to talk about both of these things because it's just been pretty, uh, I don't know, kind of remarkable. And I think that both of these events, if there was something that kind of connected both of them and what I, what I love about both of the stories, I don't know, there's, there's some things not to love about them, but they're, they do a lot to kind of reveal what's really going on here. And I think that one of the things that I'm very encouraged by is that, it does seem to me that one of the things, and obviously there's many things that are different about the moment we're living in than previous moments in this country, but it seems like one of the big differences here is that the propaganda is so outrageously, transparently stupid and based off lies that a, a large degree of people are just not buying it anymore. And that is very encouraging to me. So uh, there was a big zero hedge debate 
about January 6th. Um, of, of course, Zero Hedge has started doing this debate series now. I was quite honored to be in uh, in the first one. I also, in hindsight now, realize I am quite fortunate that it was a one-on-one debate <laughs> and not a three-on-three where I'm in Brazil. That would have put me at a slight disadvantage. If you if you guys haven't seen it, it was uh, the, the two brothers whose names I'm blanking on, uh, that Destiny guy... And then they debated Alex Jones and Glenn Greenwald. And I'm also blanking on the other guy's name. He actually did a good job in the in the um, in the debate, but he didn't speak that much. Um, I mean, Alex Jones is quite a spectacle. That thing became uh, it, it was turned into a ridiculous shit show with interruptions of Glenn Greenwald making a ton of sense. That's how <laughs> I would describe it. It was just like a wild, just like imagine apes just flinging their feces at the wall. And then every now and then we'd say, let's hear something very reasonable from Glenn Greenwald. And that well, was more or less the debate. Alex Jones alone is five people talking. So the idea that you're going to put him on a team of three, I could see Alex Jones against three, three against yeah. Alex Jones sounds like a reasonable fight. Yeah. I mean, first off, you have to, you have to count the 17 voices in Alex Jones head as members <laughs> of that debate. Also, I, I mean, like I just, listen, I love the zero hedge guys and they, uh, I loved doing the debate with them. I'd be happy to do another, uh, uh, debate with them. Great team of people there. Um, turn, uh, when I say team, it's just this one Tyler Durden guy. He writes all the articles, <laughs> does all the stuff. Um, but, uh, it's look, if you had just approached me with this debate on paper like i just i mean i guess from glenn greenwald's perspective he's like well i don't have to travel for it i don't have to leave home but if could you imagine first off i don't like three on three debates two on two i think is the max i've seen some two on two debates that were that are good one on one is really the way debates should be but two on two occasion three on three i think is just too much but as you said rob when one of them could you just imagine if someone was like okay you're gonna be uh everyone else is gonna be in studio but you're going to be debating remotely. And you were like, hmm, uh, all right. And then uh, you go, all right, well, so who's my debate partner? And I go, it's Alex Jones. Alex Jones is going to be your debate partner. You just be like, well, that's insane. I can't like be remote with Alex Jones and all this going up. Anyway, so the debate was a bit of a shit show. Um, no, no, but uh, the three guys that were arguing that January 6th was an insurrection, if you combine the three of them, you might get the testosterone of one lady in women's sports. <laughs> really? really. I, it's unbelievable not, how they're, they're like the three exact same dude and all people I'd have to walk away from in a party. Listen, and 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 I'll tell you, man, it's it's not just... Like when, when you say this, it's not just like you making a joke or like a little jab or even an ad hominem or something like that. It's hard to deny that there is something to that. There's just like so you see this a lot with people's uh, politics, particularly with left wing men. Where you're like, it, I, I think a huge part of the divide here is not just my argument versus your argument, my perspective versus your perspective. It's like how much testosterone is flowing through me and you just seems to be a huge part of what's going on here. Like how much plastic is in your water lines? Yeah. Like, I don't know what accounts for it. I don't know if it's too much soy in your diet or whatever, but like there is. And by the way, there was, um, I believe, man, I, I might be misremembering this a little bit, but the whole soy boy thing, I think did come from one of, it was like a podcast where there were a bunch of like vegan male feminists and they tested their testosterone levels and they were all like crazy low. And there is something about like, I think diet is related to this. Like I'm not, I'm not the guy who knows a ton in this area, but there is just something about like when you just look at certain people and the way they behave and the way they speak and the way like there, there's some type of like masculine feminine thing going on here where there's just a different perspective. Anyway, I, I think that, look, my my feelings are, are pretty clear on this. The, the, I think the idea of labeling uh, January 6th an insurrection is on its face kind of ridiculous. Um, to, to describe this as any type of meaningful attempt at a coup is, is just kind of goofy. Um, one of the things that came up in the debate quite a bit 
is that they would go, um, they, they would say things along the lines of like, oh, well, how was like the Black Lives Matter riots not an insurrection, but January 6th was. And I think it's fine to kind of compare the two things. Obviously, they're different. It's not, they're not the exact same event. Um, but I also would find that kind of ridiculous. I mean, look, if, if people were describing the, the Black, Live, Black Lives Matter riots, or how would you describe that? I'd say violent riots. I don't know. That seems to be the way to describe them. Now, I think the point that does make a lot of sense to me is that if you were, if, if you remove all this bullshit about like, like kind of the religion that we've covered in detail, which I, I do not think it's um, a stretch by any sense of the, uh, the word to call it a religion. I mean, we've played clips of people in the corporate media who are, are saying things like they entered the holy building. And how sacred this building is. But if you strip all that nonsense away, because that's stupid, uh, you go, well, yeah, I mean, look, the Black Lives Matter riots did far more damage by any metric than than January 6th did. Uh, there's, I mean, there was billions of dollars in property damage. There were people who were uh, murdered. The only uh, person who was murdered on January 6th was murdered by the Capitol Police. Um, and there, the Black Lives Matter riots, I mean, look, they... But like, if you did want to use this language, I mean, do you remember Chaz? They set up what they claimed was their own sovereign territory within the geographical United States of America, seized people's property, rampant assaults and all types of rapes and murders and all types of shit happened throughout the Black Lives Matter riots. There was unquestionably a much better justification for some type of crackdown on those right, like some type of government crackdown on the Black Lives Matter riots than there ever was over January 6th. That, that's just that. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is sheathunderwear.com, the underwear of legends. I love sheath underwear. I've told you guys a million times, it's the best pair of boxer briefs I've ever owned. The only underwear I own, and I'll tell you this, man, they have been sponsoring this show for over three years. I still have the original pairs that they sent me, and they're as comfortable today as they were over three years ago. This company is run by great guys. It's a great product, so go support them because they've been supporting us for so long. It's sponsors like this that keep our show going. Go support sheathunderwear.com, and while you're at it, get the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you're ever going to own. Also, make sure to use the promo code PROBLEM20 because that's going to get you 20% off your next order. That's sheathunderwear.com, promo code PROBLEM20 for 20% off your next order. All right, let's get back on the show. So anyway, let's let's play uh, one of the clips from uh, um, from Glenn Greenwald because I did think this was this was just excellent. And uh, as uh, almost everything he said, I thought was excellent. I don't, I'm not somebody who thinks the election, that there's evidence conclusive that the election was stolen. I do think we should be a lot more attentive to when election processes get changed out of the blue, like, oh, because there's COVID, we're going to have a ton of new conventions for how we do mail-in ballots. I think there's a lot of potential for fraud there. I don't think there's evidence that I've seen, at least, that's conclusive that the 2020 election was stolen. I do think, though, it was rigged in all sorts of ways from internet censorship to all kinds of uh, interference on the part of the uh, U.S. security state lying and saying that a very incriminating story mm -hmm. about Joe Biden was the byproduct of Russian disinformation when it when it absolutely was not. Facebook and Twitter mm -hmm. censoring that story right before the election. These are all examples of corrupting rigging by institutions of authority Pissed on me. the question of whether it no, no, I don't. I'm not somebody who thinks there's evidence that it was stolen. Well, how would you define the difference between rigging it and stealing it? Rigging it is when institutions of authority cheat or act corruptly in order to manipulate public opinion to prevent stories from getting to them, like those news stories about Joe Biden and the way that he exploited his family connections in Ukraine and China to uh, profit for his family and lying about it and saying that it's Russian disinformation, censoring the Internet to prevent stories from getting to the public, having the security state, the CIA and the FBI that's supposed to have no role in our politics being the ones to cook up those fabrications. That's all examples of rigging and manipulating our democracy the way that we accuse Russia of doing. The US security state, the corporate media, Twitter and Facebook did that way, way worse. Stealing the election is dumping ballots that were legitimately cast or fabricating ballots in favor of one candidate or the other that actually weren't cast, manipulating the machines in order to have the loser be the winner. That's what I would distinguish between rigging and stealing. I, I, I you know, I really liked that. 
And I, I'll say, I think that's pretty much where we are on this, right? Like, I don't want to speak for you, Rob, you can give your, your thoughts, but basically that's what we've been saying. I'm not using that exact uh, verbiage, but like that, that kind of is a good way to put it that I've never been really convinced. Uh, and again, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if it turned out to be true. I don't trust governments inherently. Um, and uh, if somebody came with some unbelievable evidence that the Dominion voting machines were flipping votes or stealing them, I'd be like, well, look at that. They were doing it. I just haven't seen that yet. And I haven't really like seen enough evidence. I mean, little things here or there where there's like firsthand accounts about they kicked us out of this room or they did this. Uh, I don't it, it's difficult for me to gauge. I don't have a sense of how much of stuff like that happens in every election. What was actually unique about this? What? I just haven't been convinced on that front. But the idea that they rigged it from them is almost undeniable. And nobody really on that panel had any type of argument against that. So the, really, let's just focus on what we do know, which is that they rigged it. And that's just as bad. Like, why isn't that just as bad? If you su suppress a story that's a real story that would clearly move the needle, what's the, in effect tangibly what's the difference between that and stuffing ballots i don't know any any thoughts on that rob uh no i agree uh 100 i thought the framing uh was uh was rather good by uh mr greenwald uh and it includes that they even took uh trump off of twitter for a fake uh um for a fake hydroxychloroquine article um so i think it's fair to say they certainly rigged the election when it comes to stealing the election um it, I, I'm left in an annoying area where it's like I can't prove that it was an honest election. Right. And I question that it was an honest election. There were certainly some oddities in terms of the number of the people that voted, the way that the actual evening went down, where they usually call elections, then they had to pause it. And then you had a bunch of votes that came in through mail, the uh, increase in mail and voting. And then, of course, when they were certifying all the elections, there was endless hours of footage of people being like, I went out for lunch and I got locked out. Um, and then lastly, the whole Dominion lawsuit with Fox, that Fox just walked away from that and made uh, a gigantic payment that would seem to me, I don't understand why Dominion's damages could possibly be that large or why mm. Fox wouldn't at least want to go fight that case. So there certainly were oddities. But at the end of the day, Trump couldn't prove any of them. He was the president. He had all the power and resources in the world to try and prevent the election from being stolen from him. He was yelling about it being stolen. Yeah. From what I understand from lawyers, they they put together these lawsuits that made no sense. Uh, you had that uh, that lady screaming about the Kraken who apparently had no evidence. You've got uh, Giuliani at the moment, although this might be bad, it, it, going down for that defamation case. Yeah. Uh, seemingly a similar thing to Alex Jones where he wasn't able to actually present the case. But anyways, just to put a button on it, I think it's fair to say rigged 100% in terms of stolen. Donald Trump did not do a good job of proving that storyline. So for anyone walking around going, it was a hundred percent stolen, like based off of what you don't know. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. Um, and look again, this might be some, uh, a bitter pill for Trump supporters to swallow, but you're exactly right that Donald Trump sat there when they changed it to, uh, to, to all the mail-in voting and he sat there and he bitched and he moaned about how it was going to be corrupt and he bitched and he bitched and he bitched and then he lost and he bitched more and then he got on a plane and left so like I, there is a weird thing and glenn greenwald made this point where like you know it is a kind of weird thing to claim the election was stolen but then also give a peaceful transfer of power you know what I mean? Like, there's just something kind of strange about that anyway. I know they're claiming he tried to lead a coup or something, which is obvious nonsense. But um, there's also probably just a not as sexy but simpler uh, explanation that was at least a contributing factor was that Donald Trump's audience, his voting base, and this is just by the nature of being a Republican, skews older and also skews probably a little bit more afraid of COVID. You know, we're talking in late 2020 here. And he was just for for weeks telling everybody that the vote in the mail in voting was going to be fraudulent. And and like what type of strategy was that? He was telling all of his people to not do the mail in voting. And so he he may have unintentionally suppressed his own turnout in 
in, in that situation. That aside, um, and I have no love for Donald Trump. Um, in fact, I, I will say I'll never forgive Donald Trump um, for several things, particularly how bad he was on COVID and that he kept Fauci as the face of the pandemic response through all of 2020. I mean, that is Donald Trump's fault. And that is no small thing. Giving us Anthony Fauci in 2020 is no like that is an unforgivable offense, if I, in my opinion. Um, but let's just be real here about what happened. So let's like say like, OK, we can. And since none of these guys even have an argument against that, let's just be honest here and take it as a given that the election was rigged. OK, now let's say not stolen. Let's grant them that we'll we'll grant them because you know what? The, we're not going to be uh, you know, we can't require people to prove a negative. Here, so let's just assume the election was fair and not stolen. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly the right attitude to have, but for the sake of argument here, let's assume the election was was not stolen, but it was rigged. If you're going to really talk about January 6th, you kind of have to put it into context. So this is at the end of 2020. It's six days into 2021, right? So this is right at the end of the year that was 2020. And what happened this year? Pretty big year, 2020. Now, first of all, they fucking locked the country down on the basis of pseudoscience. Uh, this is, uh, there's really no argument against this anymore. There's nobody can really justify the lockdowns with any type of, of rational argument. So they locked the country down uh, off complete bullshit pseudoscience um, and tell us that it's because this virus is so bad. Um, and that this will, our hospital systems are going to be overrun and all this stuff turned out to be wrong on all of it. You can go look at, by the way, go read Tom Wood's new great book and you can go look at all. And Tom, remember he had that thing, uh, Rob, do you remember with the charts that Tom, I forget what it's called. It's like the COVID quiz. There's basically like, you just look at all these charts of how the germ was spreading and how hospitalization rates and death rates. And then you try to guess which area had more mass compliance or which area locked down and didn't lock down and which, and the, the punchline at the end of it is that no one can pass the test. No, it's just the, the virus did what it was going to do. And none of these measures ended up helping at all. Then, um, then all of a sudden in the middle of lockdowns, this unprecedented thing in, in American and world history. So like three months into it, these massive protests and riots break out. And then the whole establishment says, no, it's okay. They're allowed to do that. You can't leave your house unless you're going to loot a store, in which case you're fighting racism, which is worse than the germ. Then somewhere around that summer, it starts to become very obvious that the, the virus didn't come from where they told us it came from. And it's not like that it didn't come from there and they just happened to get it wrong. They were lying because it was Fauci's name on the goddamn exemption to Obama's ban on gain of function research. And, and a subsidiary of the NIH was funding the Wuhan lab. OK, so it comes from a lab that was funded by our government. And the face of the pandemic response is the guy who signed off on doing it. OK, so this all comes out. Now, now, take into account the mass censorship over the year 2020, where every anybody, what I just said now is kind of we're allowed to say it. At least I think we never really know for sure, but kind of I think I'm allowed to say that, you know, John Stewart made a joke about it. Everyone's OK now. You couldn't say this in 2020. I couldn't come on the show and talk about this because that's it. You'd be off everything if you did. Right. So you have this whole sense. I mean, you remember, Rob, we had like that. We had a private Facebook group that we used to uh, uh, very much enjoy. And it was during this period where they just started flagging everything. If you talk anything about COVID, a whole bunch of that stuff turned out to be spot on right. And anything about COVID, you were just getting shut down. And ultimately, Facebook shut down the group. Then you have the Hunter Biden story, right? They shut down this story and ban all these people and ban the link. You couldn't even direct message it to people on Twitter about a totally legitimate, true story that was a huge scandal for the Biden campaign, okay? Like, he is directly connected um, to, uh, you know, I mean, okay, you could say maybe a degree of separation from his son, but at the very least, clearly, his son is making money in incredibly corrupt names, ways of trading his uh, father's name to governments that are, I mean... One, you could kind of describe as a hostile foreign power in China. 
and Ukraine, a country that Biden is directly involved with. And I'm saying even before Biden as president, I'm talking about Maidan and the, and the civil war and stuff there. Okay. So now on top of all that, in that same year, as they're, we've conceded they're rigging it. So they're ruining your life with lockdowns, lying about it. They're also, by the way, we should mention in this year, the largest transfer of wealth from working people to the politically connected billionaire class, right? Now, again, Trump has a lot of responsibility for that. He signed his name on those uh, spending bills. But it's this, it's, and then on top of all of that, they go, oh, and by the way, we're going to overhaul the way we do voting. Like, just put all those pieces together and know that, yeah, of course, if any side lost their election after all of that, of course there would just be, it's, this is like a volcano that's going to bubble up. And I guess it bubbled up to some degree in January 6th. Now, to the point of calling January 6th an insurrection, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Like, go look at the history of any coup or insurrection. In fact, you know, even when they invoke this 14th Amendment, they're talking about the Civil War. I mean, the things that they even have to compare this to just on its face make it so ridiculous. You're comparing a war where 600,000 people died to, to January 6th? Okay. There's no... People didn't show up with guns. People didn't show up there to be violent. There's no, and when I say people didn't show up to, many of the people didn't show up there to be violent. The violence was some shoving with cops. There were some windows broken. There were some gates that were knocked down. There were also a lot of gates that were opened for them. There were also a lot of cops who opened gates for them. There were also a lot of cops who were guiding them around the inside of the building, as we now know. They didn't show us any of that stuff. They didn't show us any of this uh, in the January 6th uh, hearings in Congress. We found out later that they had all just been cherry-picked and selectively edited to make the event look like it was something other than what it was. And then you had the entire um, political class and the entire media class telling us that this was, uh, these are in their words, this was worse than Pearl Harbor. This was worse than 9-11. This was the worst day, one of the darkest days in our country's history. And why? To use that as a pretense to crack down on dissident right-wingers in America. Now, if you, taking all of that in its totality, right? And I'm not saying like Destiny or those two uh, brothers or whatever, uh, they can come up with some argument for why it is an insurrection and because they were trying to stop, you know, the certification of the election. But taking in all of that, look at what you're doing here. You're just becoming a mouthpiece for powerful people who have very nefarious plans. It's just ridiculous. This was not an insurrection. It was not an attempted coup. There's no conceivable path forward where January 6th works to overthrow the government of the United States of America. Even saying it out loud, saying it out loud is just the most fucking ridiculous thing ever. The guy moving that lectern around was, yeah, he was going to overthrow the, he was about to take control of the U.S. military, Rob. Like, what? What is this? So anyway, the whole thing is just so goddamn ridiculous. I don't know. Any, any, it's like an obscure, uh, capture the flag type thing that if a podium guy slapped down that podium in the right place and started giving a speech, yeah. all of a sudden they control the government. I, I don't remember ever reading that in the constitution. A bunch of people yeah. walk into the Capitol building and now they get to, that's it. It's their country. Now it's capture the flag. They took it. Everyone's got to go. Oh yeah. It's theirs now. Yeah. Oh, and, and I mean, look, there's the, the power imbalance here to ever thinking that they could, I mean, you're, it's not even, if you, it, Rob, if you fist fought a three-year-old, there is less of a power imbalance than there is between the January 6th rioters and the United States of America's federal government. Like, just to Im imagine any one, like, imagine, a, imagine the NYPD tried to take the federal government like they really went in and tried to take them out and they you know the what would they have to get through in order to get well the first line of defense would be like i don't know like the capital police 
And then they'd call in like the DC police and then they'd call in the national guard. And if they needed to, at the end of that, they call in the goddamn fucking army and the air force. The NYPD has zero shot of being able to take out Washington DC in a violent confrontation. Okay. And that's the entire New York city police department. No shot. I don't know exactly what layer of that they'd get to. Like maybe they'd get past the cap. Yeah, they'd get past the Capitol Police. Capitol Police and the D.C. Police, you got a difficult. Once the National Guard gets called in, you're done. You're done, dude. Let alone if you want to have, then you want to have the the fucking army and the Air Force. You're just so, there's just no chance. There's there's no, that's you fighting a three-year-old. You know what I mean? There's no chance. There's no pathway here to victory. And that's the NYPD. The, the entire NYPD, the January 6th guys were nothing compared to them. I mean, look at the videos. It seems like the majority of them were just there fucking peacefully. The, the majority of the people in January 6th just who went into the building, their only crime was entering a building you weren't supposed to enter. It was a small minority of them that broke some windows and tussled with some cops. Um, so anyway, the, the whole framing of this is almost, it's one of these debates where you're like, to even debate this topic is probably like conceding too much. Does that make sense? Like it's like to eat it. Like, are we even pondering this question? Makes no yeah. sense at all. I agree. Once the FBI door opening unit, uh, used their valet <laughs> service to get those doors open. Most people were just walking around. <laughs> right. Really? Sure. One guy took an opportunity to fart on Nancy Pelosi's desk, but honestly, if he didn't tell us we did that, do you think they would have walked in there later and smelt the fart? Oh, these are the type of questions that'll keep you up at night, Rob. Uh, yeah, and and look, of, of course, this is also leaving aside the question of um, of infiltration and things like that. And the um, one of the points that I, that Glenn Greenwald made in in there uh, in the debate, which was an excellent point, was he was like, "Look, we know that all of these organizations, the ones that are the most demonized organizations, like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and stuff like that, who were involved, there were several members of both who got arrested." Uh, and charged uh, from that day. We know these groups were completely infiltrated by the FBI. There's informants up and down these groups. So if there really was some plan here, well, why wasn't this plan thwarted? Well, if there was a plan, a coup, and what, you guys just didn't do anything? Oh, interesting. Oh, so if it was planned, you guys allowed it to happen? You know, like, I mean, it's it's kind of like no matter what really happened there, and we don't have the exact details of everything, but either way, it's real. It looks really bad for the FBI. There's not there's not really any conceivable path where they didn't do something pretty shady and fucked up. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is stamps.com. If you're a small business owner, you know how important it is to save time and money. And stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's the 24 seven post office that you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for your shipping and mailing needs. For more than 20 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. You get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. With inflation on the rise, every dollar counts. Protect your margins with major discounts from the United States Postal Service and UPS rates up to 86% off. Use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer. And if you need a package picked up, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. Rates are constantly changing, but with stamps.com's switch and save feature, you can easily compare pair carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every time. And if you're running an online store, Stamps.com works seamlessly with all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code PROBLEM for a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the promo code PROBLEM. All right, let's get back into the show. Um, okay, any other thoughts on on the January 6th stuff, Rob, or you want to move on to Epstein? Ooh, let's get into Epstein. All right, let's start. Listen, I got this. Uh, here, let's let's start with the uh, the clip from The View. We shouldn't be repeating names that are on the list because just because your name has not on the list, but in the documents, just because your name is on the documents doesn't mean that you have done anything criminally 
irresponsible or illegal or civilly irresponsible. Or that you were a client. Or that you were a client. Right. It only really, these documents as I read them, only reflect Epstein's sexual assaults of women mm -hmm. and his sexual behavior. So I, I think that... And he, Elaine? Also? And Ghislaine. Oh. And so being named in this suit does not equate to being accused of wrongdoing. And I think that is extremely important because conspiracy theorists seem to not understand or enjoy facts. Yes. These are the facts. Yes. <laughs> What's important for us to All right, know so is... We it's, just so, it's just fantastic. Now, by the way, there's that you can go find... There's clips on CNN and MSNBC of them saying the exact same thing. It, it's just... Oh, my God. It's like just... It, it's so fucking rich. Yeah, that's what's important here. That's what's important. You know? And those are the facts. And, uh, you know, the, you know, it's these damn conspiracy theorists. How could, dude, the story is Jeffrey Epstein. And they're still actually able, like physically able, to look into a camera and go, well, you know, these conspiracy theorists out there, Rob, they have these wild imaginations. You know? Like, I mean, again, this is yeah, a great example. What's the story to them? So Jeffrey Epstein single-handedly sexually assaulted multiple women and would just party with celebrities on the side. Like what, what, what exactly is not even interesting about the story to them? So don't even look into this. We already killed Jeffrey Epstein. So you don't have to worry about that guy. Him right. and the other person that we put in jail, they solely sexually assaulted women and then hung out with a lot of uh, very powerful people while they were doing so. Who I guess just looked the other way as Jeffrey Epstein was enjoying moving young girls around. But th dude, th that's entirely on Epstein. You shouldn't even talk about these other people. Dude, it's a uh, look. It's it, you know, when Michael Malice says, uh, which I love, where he says the, the corporate press is factual, but not truthful, uh, which is not, you know, sometimes they're not factual as well. But even when they are factual, sometimes it's so it's like, look. Think, think about it like this, okay? Like zoom out 10,000 feet up and actually look at this thing, right? Because what she said is not factually incorrect. Like it is true that just because your name was on one of the, in one of these documents, that doesn't necessarily mean that you were like, that you did anything. And it doesn't, if you could have been on a flight log, it, it'd be very easy. Let's say you were like a, uh, um, I don't know, someone famous or someone rich or some big, you know, powerful person. And there was this Jeffrey Epstein guy. And, you know, I don't know, you were in Florida going back to New York and he was like, hey, I'll, I'll give you a ride on my private plane. And you went, sure. It doesn't mean you fucked a kid. You know what I mean? So so it's not that that's wrong. It's just how is that your takeaway? How are you going to say that's what's important here? So, again, zoom out 10,000 feet, 10,000 foot view of what we know. Here are the facts that she says conspiracy theories don't like facts or whatever. Okay. Well, here are the facts. There was a child rapist ring, an organization based on raping children that involved the most powerful members of our society. And the guy who ran it was known to be partying with all of these powerful people, politicians and people in the media and people in Hollywood, and they're all in they're all at least from some degrees connected to it. And it seems pretty clear that it was a blackmail operation where he was luring people into fucking children and then and then blackmailing them with the information that they had. And the government knew about this and allowed it to continue. But your takeaway of what's important about this here is that we don't damage the reputations of any of the people who were close to it. That's the danger, but not an absolute demand that we, I mean, just think about this story and, and just imagine a world where we didn't have a media that was made up of the most corrupt people who are strictly in the business of defending power. Like, imagine we had a media with a shred of honesty. Every single day, they would be demanding to know everybody who was involved in this. We would never look at any of those people the same way until we find out. I'm sorry. This is like, wh what? A child rapist ring? Who the hell was involved with this? 
because there's all these powerful people there. When did you know what, like the onus would totally be on them. You know what I mean? Like when did, when did you know what you did? You go to any of his parties? What did you see at these parties? You kept going back to him after that. Why? What was going on? You know what I'm saying? Like these people, it's just, it's insane that your takeaway would just be, ah, well, we don't really have to worry about, you know, like getting to the bottom of this, but let's just make sure we don't cast aspersions on anybody who's in these, uh, these lists, you know, Bill Clinton, it's like, yeah, okay. He was the president of the United States. He's been uh, credibly accused of rape by like six women. You know, that guy. Yeah. He happened to party with a guy who was running a child rapist ring and we got pictures of him getting massages from one of the victims. And yeah, he flew with him on his private flight uh, in his private plane to Thailand. He went with Jeffrey Epstein to Thailand. What do you do with Jeffrey Epstein in Thailand? Am I a conspiracy theorist for, for like maybe having some questions about that? It's just so bonkers, dude. It's so bad. How do you even have this conversation? And this is, this is what these people, these dummies on The View and these dummies on CNN and MSNBC do. Their job is to stand there and say, okay, the most important thing about this story here is that we don't go convicting Bill Clinton in our mind. Okay? Let's not jump to conclusions. And you're like, okay, so let's not jump to conclusions. And then what? Give him a grilling interview about it? No, no, no. Just don't jump to conclusions. And then we'll talk about how racist Trump is or something like that. Whatever type of simulation we're living in here, Rob, it, God damn, it's an entertaining one. It's incredible. The, uh, the amount of clues that haven't been overturned, uh, the low hanging fruit, just being all of the staff. I mean, I guess you hear every once in a while from a stewardess or a guy who is flying the planes, but there was a lot of staff at both locations, uh, so not hearing from all of them, but the really low hanging fruits in terms of clues is what happened to the safe? They took a safe from his house. Seemingly, I've seen pictures of videotapes and DVDs and fine. Let's say the FBI legitimately lost that safe. That's what the FBI I believe is claiming is that it uh, retrieved the safe and lost the safe. Fine. Well, who lost the safe? Who was the team that took it? Where do they put it? Who was the guy that was supposed to watch it? What kind of safeguards fell through that we just lost this critical piece of evidence? And then remember when they put that deal together and someone said uh, that uh, he, they were told that he was intelligence? Who's that mm -hmm. guy? How come yeah. that guy's not in front of Congress? Who are the people that were supposed to prosecute him the first time? Why did he get the favorable plea, plea deal? How, how much other paperwork even exists of like prosecutors or investigators who at one point in time were looking into it? And then who did they get phone calls from to drop it? It's just like... There are so many clues. And if you guys can just look back, they sold us on a pandemic that didn't happen. They're selling us on global warming, which isn't a real risk to us. They sold us on a Ukraine war and that Putin, like they know how to drum up interest in things when they're not true. Repeated yeah. enough times, scream and yell, get people oh. panicked. And then and you get something look, like and this, there's, which and is there's, so, yeah. And, and there's one more really important point. No, you're, you're totally right. But there's one more really important point there. And this is one of the things that I think people need to like um, to understand is also that this story it like you're saying if they wanted to drum up interest in this this story would generate enormous interest i mean you could you if someone really wanted to do this story on any cable news show let's say you know rob they would have the number one ratings like there's no question about that if someone was really if you were just all you would have to do you could be the number one pundit in cable news right now. If you just said, dude, I'm doing every episode on Epstein. Every episode of my show, I'm going to be bringing people on, grilling them about this. We're going to be pouring over what we know about this. We're going to be demanding that all of the people who are on the flight logs and all the people who are in these documents are, are held to account and that we're asking all of these questions of them. That, that would guaranteed be the number one show in cable news. I think you'd break 10 million views. If you just did a show on that, but they don't. And why is that? Because their primary uh, driver, their primary motivation is not ratings. And that's a really important thing for people to, to recognize that it's not just a business that's trying to make money because people get this wrong all the time where people say, oh, the problem with the, the uh, with the corporate press is that it's all, you know, basically it's, it's private, you know, and it's capitalist and they just want money. So they'll just do whatever gets clicks. But that's not right. They avoid things that would get so many views, would get so many clicks because they're primarily in the business of defending the powerful. That's why they're the enemy of the people. 
because they're working against your interests on behalf of powerful people. And this is just the most obvious example of it. Most obvious. Here's the takeaway from the child rapist ring where the fucking, where like, I didn't even know that detail that they said they lost the safe, uh, where they said they lost the safe. Oh yeah. And then all the cameras just happened to go out and stop working when he killed himself in prison. And it was in the securest area ever. There were just like seven whoopsies in a row after he was on suicide watch and had already tried to kill himself, supposedly. Then he just killed himself and all the cameras went out. Oh, and those guys who are responsible for that, we're also not going to be grilling them. They're not going to be testifying before Congress and then still have the nerve to go. It's these damn conspiracy theorists out here. Look, dude, if you had just if none of this stuff with Epstein had come out and anyone had just laid out what we know the stuff we know now to be the case, and just said that, they'd have been labeled the craziest conspiracy theorists in the world. What are you talking about? They got an island where they rape kids. What are you talking about, right? Okay, but we found out all that's true. So I'm sorry, you don't get to use this conspiracy theorists. They just don't care about facts anymore. This woman doesn't care. This lady doesn't care about any facts. She cares about making sure that you don't jump to conclusions about powerful people who were connected to Jeffrey Epstein. That's, that's really the most important takeaway. Now, who does that sound like she's on the side of the American people or the powerful people? I just, I love this story because it's just like, there it is. I'm sorry. This is an open and shut case, black and white. They're your enemy. These people, and they fucking, you know, they talk, they talk to a lot of voters. Uh, so anyway, all right. Any other, uh, any other thoughts on any of this stuff, Rob? Did you, did you read into the, the new documents at all? I didn't read any of the documents. I've just been reading the, uh, New York post stories as they come out and they, uh, reveal names and, you know, there's enough other people pouring through these things. Mm-hmm. I, the part, I guess I'm just most confused by is, uh, so this seems to be one accuser and it was a court case, the court case that she won. And so these are the documents coming out from that court case and, and there's some big bombshells in there there's the um there was the fact that um he would interview women after they had been with like these people so that they would have like the black specifically they use the word blackmail um i guess there were the pictures of children or not i mean i guess teen but young teenagers underage um on the island uh you had someone was reporting that massage was the code word for sex but i i, I guess we're I'm kind of like it still lacks a little bit of clarity meet of who specifically this individual was. And I guess why there isn't more of an effort to hear from all the other victims and kind of yeah, unwinding what is uh, like just so many like how come there isn't a committee or a commission to just kind of look into this? Like it just mm-hmm. seems like there's so many clues out there that I'm not an investigator, but like I can just rattle off what the starting point would be. Huh. And think about think about what they did with the January 6th hearings. Right. You know, like a group of Americans are so furious at their government that they broke some windows in a government building. And that warrants not only like the that warrants the most massive law enforcement, um, you know, uh, uh, hunt for all of these people. They will be brought to justice. I mean, except the one barrel chested guy who was screaming storm the Capitol. But don't let that fuck with you. But all the rest of them must be brought to justice. People are getting uh, outrageously long sentences. You know, people are getting 15, 20 year sentences for breaking windows and pushing over barricades. People are getting years long sentences for just entering the building and just walking around, um, being held in solitary confinement. There's a full congressional hearing that remember they tried to make primetime TV and this is going to blow the whole thing open. And that's because some Americans were pissed off enough with their government that they want, they, you know, some of them broke some windows and some of them entered the Capitol building. Now it doesn't mean that doesn't mean you have to be a a right winger. It doesn't mean you have to be a Trump supporter. You know, you could disagree with the reasons why they were furious with the government or something like that. But think about it. It's a group of Americans who are pissed off with their government that warrants all of that. But this, this ring of, you know, like a, I don't know. I mean, yes, you make the distinction there. Like when I say children, they're, they're teenagers, but like, yeah, I don't know. That's rape, man. These are adults, fucking teenagers. They are raping these girls. They are raping children. 
that doesn't rise to the level of demanding all of this or even a fraction of it. I mean, it's listen, man, it's the people versus the regime and the regime is, uh, you know, what uh, Curtis Yarvin calls the cathedral, however you want to conceive of it. And it's kind of like the um, the political class, the media class, the the crony class, the people who are in bed, the politically connected in bed with them. And, and, you know, their, their mouthpieces in academia and places like that. I mean, it's, it's those people versus all of us. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Babbel. Look, the best way to learn a new language is through immersion, living where the language is spoken natively and using it every day. But if that's not possible for you, the second best way to learn a language is Babbel, because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Now you can start speaking any new language with Babbel. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. And it's delivered with conversation-based teachings. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. For instance, one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is the equivalent of a full semester at college. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. And here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. You can get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash problem. So get 55% off and learn a new language in as little as three weeks by going to babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash problem. Rules and restrictions may apply. Babbel.com slash problem. All right, let's get back into the show. Also, I mean, there's been a long running storyline of, uh, I guess, the pedophiles down in Washington, which in my head conjures up images of uh, them, you know, taking three and four and five year olds and cut like, you know, just demonic shit. It's no longer technically inaccurate to say that there are pedophiles amongst the elite like that, that we've proven that to be technically accurate. So now the question is, what real Pizzagate? Is there something there? Is there is there something much bigger going? Um, mm. I got to guess. Plug run your mouth this Friday. I got David Column coming on who quoted an interesting figure in his year end review of that. There's a million children that go missing a year, um, which uh, I'm curious to hear more about. But it yeah. just uh, all I'm trying to say is five years ago when you said that there were pedophiles in Washington, that was, you know, the deepest of conspiracies. Now we at least know that it's technically accurate and there's no. Uh, what was it? Uh, Michael Malice is a thing that uh, uh, Pizzagate aged better than Russiagate. <laughs> There's just, it's so perfectly right. said. There was more truth to that one. And I'm not and, saying it was exactly true, right? But there was more truth to it than there ever was to Russiagate. And there's no serious interest to unwind these stories and figure out is how much worse it because believe me, there's public interest in finding out if there's creepy shit happening to kids. Dude, I uh, this is something that I used to talk about um, years ago. Um, like before, before you were on the podcast and, and if you go, if you listen to my first Joe Rogan appearance, I get into some of this a little bit, but a lot of like my evolution was like, okay. So like when I first became a libertarian, it's kind of like you learn, you learn like the libertarian lesson, right? So like, and which is basically like read anatomy of the state and you, that's basically the libertarian lesson anatomy of the state by murray rothbard and you kind of recognize that you're like oh like governments are like by their nature the reality of what they are is not at all how we've all been trained to think about them um that really they're the gang who won out they're they're the gang that got so powerful that they just conquered everything and everything in this geographical area is run by them. And they do all of the things that gangs do. They do all of the things that we would consider crimes that if anyone else did it, it would be a crime. Whereas stealing your money is now taxation. Murdering a bunch of a bunch of people is now a military action. You know, counterfeiting the money is now monetary policy. Like all the things that people would go to jail for, they do with impunity. 
that's kind of the nature of government. So that's almost like step one is like the libertarian lesson, like understanding what we're really talking about when we're talking about the government. And then I remember like kind of like almost like the, my next step after that, what would be really interesting to me is like, wait, but like, so who are these people? Who are the people who actually run this? Cause like in the same way that if you were like, uh, if, if you were watching like a documentary on the mafia or something like that, at first you're kind of like, Oh, okay, well, what is this? Well, it's a criminal organization that's here to like steal money. You know what I mean? And kill people if they get in the way. And that like, that's kind of the nature of the thing. We're getting money in illegitimate ways and we will use violence to do that, you know? And, but then what's the next step that's interesting when, if you're watching a documentary about the mafia, you're like, oh, well, who was the guy? Oh, this was Lucky Luciano. And here's what he did. He killed all these people like this. And here's this guy. And Al Capone was this tough motherfucking big dude who just ran the fucking, you know, uh, you know, whatever was, was fucking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the darn prohibition, you know, given the fucking getting illegal alcohol or whatever the fuck. Um, but so it's kind of th this next level of interest, like who are these people? And when you recognize that these people at the top level, they are making decisions quite comfortably where like this decision will kill a hundred thousand babies, but it'll get my buddy rich. And they do that. And it just makes you wonder like who they are. And in the same sense that like, I mean, there's lots of different forces I think at work there where I think, uh, people with sociopathic tendencies are drawn into jobs of when the job description is ruling over your fellow man. I think like most decent people don't want to be politicians. And a lot of really corrupt, fucked up people do want to be politicians. So there's that kind of magnet. Then I think there's also something that kind of goes along with the Jeffrey Epstein thing about like, you know, there's if there are people who are do evil shit, they can or are corrupt, then they can be blackmailed. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of powerful people who want someone in there who's compromised. So that kind of pushes people in. But anyway, to the thing I was talking about on my first Rogan appearance, and I remember I used to find this really interesting, was because at the time, this was my first appearance, I believe was in 2016, maybe 2015. Um, and so like right around that time, Hillary Clinton was like, you know, a very relevant political figure. And she no longer is, but she was the overwhelming favorite to be the next president. And she had been the secretary of state up until just a few years earlier. I think 2012, I think is when she left the state department. Um, and I remember uh, talking about with Rogan. And in fact, on one of my podcasts with Ari, I think the one that Rogan listened to that he found me on was when I was playing the tape of Hillary Clinton uh, laughing about getting that child rapist off. You remember that one, Rob? Mm -hmm. Um, so if and nobody's heard this before, it's this tape, Hillary Clinton's on the phone with some guy and she's just talking about this guy who brutally raped a 12 year old and she's laughing about it and she's laughing about how they, she was able to uh, trick the judge that this was a miscarriage of justice and she's cracking up laughing about how they got this guy off. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's impossible to listen to that and not just go like, Oh you're a monster. Like you're not what I am. We're not the same thing. You're not like, this isn't like, this isn't an edgy joke that you're laughing at. And this isn't just like, well, look, I am a defense attorney and I believe that we, we have to have defense attorneys. And even though it's awful that sometimes you'll get guilty people off, it's better than letting it. No, this is laughing. This is hilarious. It's so funny that I actually tricked them. And she's like describing the bloody underwear while she's laughing, like really sick, twisted shit. And then I uh, would watch the clip of her when after Muammar Gaddafi was uh, like, you know, sodomized to death with a gun by like a violent mob. And she's like, we came, we saw he's dead. <laughs> and it's like, yo, this is like, who are these people, man? Who are these people? They're not like me and you. There's something really sick going on here. And I'm not saying like, I, I'm not saying connect dots that shouldn't be connected. I always, with these things, try to be like, try to be careful, try to focus on what we know and what we can prove. But you think about the actions that these people take. And you think about even just those couple examples with Hillary Clinton. You think about the fact that Bill Clinton's been accused of rape by how many different women. You think about um, Bohemian Grove, just like what we know of that. 
it's not looking good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you look at the Jeffrey Epstein stuff and all of this. And it's like, it, it does just make you wonder like, Jesus Christ, how deep does this well go? You know what I mean? How many rings are there like Jeffrey Epstein's? Is, was there only one and we found the one? Is it more likely that there's many others? Either questions worth pondering, you know, like how, how many just straight up like monster sociopaths are there at the highest level of our, our government? The answer isn't zero. And it's seeming more and more like it's most. All right. I guess we'll 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 wrap on that. Any, anything else you want to add, Rob, or you want to call it a pod? Nah, I think this is why it's good to be an introvert. You know, people that don't want to go to parties, they don't get pulled into this whole racket. You, the, the problem is you want to be out there. You want to be hanging out with people, shaking hands with the elites. The next thing you know, you're taking a plane down to an island thinking it was a good time. You look at the Jeffrey Epstein uh, uh, connected people and you go there before the grace of God go I, right? <laughs> Man, <laughs> exactly. If I just, God had just made the decision to have me love partying with strangers. Could have, could have been you, man. Um, yeah. All right. Listen, that's, that's that guys come see us at the, uh, the Brea improv. Am I saying that right, Rob? Is it Brea, California? Brea? I, 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 I don't know. It sounds right. like a shitty cheese. That's all I can say. Well, it's not going to be a shitty comedy show. I'll tell you that much. Come on out. ComicDaveSmith.com for tickets. Uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back out on the road in uh, in 2024. So come uh, come check us out. And, of course, watch Rob's uh, uh, other phenomenal podcast, Run Your Mouth, and go to RobbieTheFire.com for all of Rob's headlining dates. All right, catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.